Welcome to episode 11. Thanks for coming. Let's get started. Danke fürs Zuhören. Australian listeners, I want to say ta heaps and have a ripper of a day. And to all you listeners here in the United States of America, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It really warms my heart. Here we are at Meat and Potatoes, and because Mother's Day is just right around the corner, I want to spend this segment talking about my mom and dad and my parenting as a mother, and I'm hoping at the end of this segment, all you mothers out there, whether you're a mother or a father who plays a mother role, or grandparents or uncles and aunts who play mother roles, just at the end of this segment, I hope that you feel an overwhelming feeling of pride and gratitude and some exuberance about how awesome you are. And that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. In fact, I hope at the end of this segment, you also feel like, hey, I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to be more gracious to myself about how I am as a parent and that this is a symbiotic relationship between me and my kids and that we have a dance that is unique to us and we're evolving and growing and we may make mistakes. We may not always do it right. They certainly aren't always going to be happy (laughs) with our quote-unquote performance, but we are engaged, we are loving, we are laughing, and we are working towards being more connected so that when the tempo changes, we can pick up on it more quickly, so that when we get out of step once in a while, whether it's our children or ourselves, we forgive that, and we learn from it, and we move forward. It's a growing, evolving experience, and we need to be kinder to ourselves. When we look at our performance and our kids' performance with us, they're not always going to be a six-year-old. They're not always going to be a 13-year-old. And there'll be plenty of time to reflect. And for now, let's be forgiving, loving. Let's keep it light when we can. Um, one of the best things that both of my parents taught me, and I want to thank them both, but particularly my mother, for teaching me how to laugh, teaching me to see the funny in the world. Um, for me personally, comedy and laughter, it is central 
in my life. And I heard today, in fact, a really neat quote, or I guess it's not a quote, but somebody was stating their opinion about the creative genre that is comedy and that it's sort of the only genre out there that is the quote-unquote it's all gonna be okay genre because I think it's in that realm of comedy that we can laugh at the most painful things and the most obvious truths that are ignored we get a chance to look at and talk about in a laughter with laughter and and with a, a comedic outlook and it, it sometimes makes a conversation about something that you would never talk about otherwise something you can actually conversate about because there's some humor behind it it was plated in a way that was um gentle and um well not always gentle i guess some comedy is (laughs) smack dab in your face but it was given to you in a way to laugh at it so that you can reflect on it in a way that isn't um threatening and you know, it's a place, comedy, laughter, it's a place where everybody is the same. You know, you can see all sorts of different demographics and age groups laugh at the same poop joke. I recently told a joke on Facebook, and I'll share it with you right now. We'll see how many of you out there laugh, but I think it's a <laughs> it's a pretty good one I enjoy. What's the worst thing you can hear when giving a blowjob to Willie Nelson. I'm not Willie Nelson. (laughs) But anyhow, so back to my mom in particular. She really taught us, my brother and I, how to laugh. And it has been a saving grace. And so thank you, Mommy, for that. And I think that that's been something for me that I've tried to keep with my kids. It's not just laughing, but I I like to play a lot with my children. And um, although there's a time to be serious and focus, it's always been that we work first so we can play later. And the harder you work, the harder you can play. So playing has always been sort of the reward in in my household and frankly when work has to be done I'm a little bit Jiminy Cricket with it you know I think you should whistle while you work and you should enjoy um, and find some fun in the work that you do whatever it is as tedious as it may be humming a tune or finding a way to have it be fun is is a good way to get through it and it has been a prominent tenor in my household and in my parenting and I'm curious and look forward to when my children are parents my daughters are mothers and uh, it'll make this holiday that much more special so I hope you all get a chance to thank your mothers this coming Sunday and I hope you have fun and eat a lot of good food and do whatever it is that you want and be with whoever it is you want to be with. And lay in bed all day if you want. Just make sure you're kind to yourself and you pat yourself on the back. You are doing a great job 
And I thank you for all that you do. Happy Mother's Day. Now, in this episode, I would normally have dessert following snacks. However, I'm trying a new segment out, and I'm hoping to have it every once in a while in episodes. And it's called, These Are the People in My Neighborhood. And I'm going to be interviewing different people from my neighborhood. People like your butchers or people like the firemen or people like your garbage men or the barista or your just your neighbor (laughs) your retired neighbor i'm also going to probably try to include because my neighborhood is growing one of the homeless people that is in the encampment that is growing very close to where I live. Because I'm curious. I'm curious about the types of people that are there in particular, but overall in the homeless population that seems to be exponentially growing in our nation, certainly in our big cities, but also in some of our smaller towns now are seeing uh, an exponential growth in the homeless population. So that's a person in my neighborhood that will also be included in these segments. These are the people in my neighborhood. And also during snack time, I wanted to let you guys know that I have a little mantra this week and probably for the next couple weeks that I'm trying out. And it's the mantra is there's nothing hard. And I don't mean physically hard, like, you know, a hard brick or a soft pillow. No, I mean tasks or relationships or um, jobs. I'm not going to use the word it's hard to do. I've decided that um, when people say words are powerful and I agree with that statement where I think words are very powerful, I think it's really in the context of changing the way you think in your head the patterns of thought that exist in our heads I think the words that we use whether subconsciously or outwardly they matter if we're trying to change behaviors or patterns of thinking and I am I want to be positive I've talked to you guys about overcoming fears and starting new things and not letting perfection keep you from putting things out there and leaping when you want to leap. Well, thinking things are too hard or insurmountable, (laughs) I think is a negative connotation. And I don't want to have negative thoughts lingering in my head. Now, they'll come up, and I think trying to avoid negative thoughts altogether is silly. 
personally. But letting negative thoughts linger, keeping negative thoughts as part of a inner mantra or pattern of thinking in my head, I, I gotta try to change that. And so for me, in the next couple of weeks, it's gonna be keeping that word from my vernacular, keeping that word from my speech. And so maybe you guys will get inspired to do the same thing. I hope you do. You can always share with me. Um, if you go to anchor.fm, that's where you can leave Mama's Pantry a message. Or you can even support this podcast to keep the podcast um, growing and creative. You're always welcome to support with a monthly donation. They start at $4.99 a month. And of course, I would appreciate any support you can give. Just listening and being a listener means a whole lot to me. And I think there was something else I wanted to share with you guys for this episode. I know I talked about zip lining in the meat and potatoes for my adventure on Mother's Day. I'm also going to go roller skating. That has been, that has proved to be a little trickier than I thought it would be. I certainly thought it was going to be much more like jumping on a bicycle and I would pick it back up like I had roller skated in, you know, 10 years ago in my 30s. So, well, (laughs) so that's not true. (laughs) My physical uh, abilities need to be worked on a little bit. And so, um... I'm going to be roller skating on Sunday as well, and I'll share with you guys whether or not any injuries occur, or if I get a little better grasp on uh, that that challenge I have with my brother, because I do have a dance, a few dance moves that I need to share with him on my skates, and uh, although he's not fulfilled his jump rope challenge yet, we are working on this, and both aging quickly as we do. So (laughs) anyhow, there is a recipe following this episode. And of course, there'll be a little leftovers in case I forgot something or need to correct any mistakes I feel like I made along the way in this episode. I want to thank you again for listening. Stick around for these are the people in our neighborhood. That segment is coming up next. And of course, the recipe and leftovers. Thanks again. Here we go. We're going to have a really fun segment. I'm going to call this, These are the People in Our Neighborhood. These are the people in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood. Oh, these are... Okay, so here we go. I'm going to introduce this girl before she starts talking, woman, lady. Um, She is a good friend of mine. I refer to her personally as my dragon slayer, queen of dragons. It's kind of appropriate because what she does for a living is slay flesh, okay? She is a meat cutter, a butcher, 
Uh, I'm going to ask her what the proper term is. Let me go ahead and introduce her. Stephanie, you want to give us your, your, do you like me calling Steph or Stephanie? Stephanie. Stephanie. Yes. Okay. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> Could have you been can a call really me Steph. <laughs> <laughs> No, Stephanie's good. Stephanie's good. So what do you like to call yourself? What is your profession exactly? Well, technically at work I'm classified as a meat cutter okay. because we don't do whole animal. Okay, okay. So um, a long time ago when I was working at Albertsons, I used to have this customer that would come in and he would look at me just so concerned and ask me one question every day and that one question was are you a meat cutter or are you a butcher <laughs> and I asked yeah. <laughs> and I had just I had I just started out cutting for Albertsons but I had done you know wild game and so I you know told him I said well here I'm a meat cutter but I said I've butchered a whole steer you know I've done elk I've done deer and he he actually applauded me and he goes you know the difference you can cut my meat now that was gonna be a question of mine that's so funny because that's so funny because I was gonna ask what is the difference between you know the meat counter at a grocery store or going to a butcher and it's essentially that they're doing whole animals yeah at a butcher exactly okay they're, they're doing whole animals we have at uh my place of employment, which I don't think I can say. Sure, sure, sure. No worries. Is, they're um, not a sponsor, so we don't get, we don't, we don't want to say their name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're called primals. So essentially, all you're really doing is when you buy a ribeye or a New York, is they have parted out the whole animal, whether it be um, a steer, which is when you're eating beef, uh, you're usually eating male cows or right steers you don't right. eat the dairy the cows the heifers yeah, okay. exactly mm -hmm. okay. um or the pork or the lamb and usually your butcher will know a lot more about like where the cuts come from why um they uh taste better how they cook better um because they actually have broken down the whole animal okay. versus like okay. just going to a lot of places where even now like it's almost a dying practice to find someone that knows how to wondering. do that mm -hmm. absolutely um there's many youtube videos there's <laughs> great yeah <laughs> that <laughs> scares me <laughs> well you can try it out costco sells primals of things um okay you know so you can buy a whole primal of something hopefully you have a grinder because you'll see how much trim or how much excess of you know silver skin or whatnot that you take off that you know ends up turning into your ground beef right you know versus so just does that steak. translate those skills of cutting primals does that translate to like wild game like if i practiced on some costco primals with some youtube videos could i know exactly how to do a wild game if i took down if they... Bambi. <laughs> I shot Sorry, Bam... Peter. Okay. Yeah. I shot Bambi when I was like 14. And oh, right on. It was great. That's uh, awesome. Best, best jerky ever. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, not really. Not unless you got something like a, a whole leg, um, a leg of lamb, or like during the holidays, you'll get um, like pork legs, whole pork legs, mm -hmm. where you may be able to see a little bit more of like the actual anatomy of things. Right, um, right. Because in your pork leg or your lamb leg, you'll have like your inside round or your 
where you get your London broil cuts, you okay. know, um, okay. you can find like a top sirloin in there uh, with the cap on it. Um, there's just other cuts that you'll find in the leg, but right. Right. otherwise, you may be a little a little lost. Yeah, uh, pork yeah. would be easier. Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> I can help you anytime. I know you can. I know you can. I know you can. And we're gonna have we're gonna have to have a show where it's just you the whole the whole show. But I do have a couple of particular questions that I want to ask you because I wanted you on here because I'm gonna do a, a rub marinade for pulled pork. Right. And specifically with pulled pork, I've always been a little bit confused and have heard like, oh, you want the butt of the pork, which I, of course, assume is the ass of, <laughs> <It's not>. of <laughs> right, see, uh-huh, or I want the shoulder of the pork, and it's actually the, called the butt, but right. is it, what part of the pig are we talking about? Now I don't know, and I'm, I'm scared, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that you can help me, and then thus help some listeners, too. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, the pork butt or the Boston butt or pork shoulder is um, all the same thing. And it's actually from the shoulder. It's just the butt of the shoulder okay. before it goes into, like, your uh, your cushion. Okay. Um, so it's, it's just got a lot more fat uh, to it. It's a less used muscle. Okay. Um, and it has, you know, a beautiful bone with marrow in it, which Ooh. helps a lot okay. for when you're cooking. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Well, and the best thing to do, too, that I don't think a lot of people understand when they go to, like, a butcher shop versus, like, some a, a grocery store is, like, traditionally, a lot of butchers actually are really good cooks. Okay. Because they know the pieces that they need to buy, um or cut themselves and how to cook them. Right. So they're like some of the best recipes I think I got, especially when I was starting out was from like these like 60 year old men that talked about having a cigarette hanging out of their mouth. Right. Right. Best cooks ever. I don't know what that is. (laughs) It's true. You know, and, and just going and, and parting out animals and then going and then making all these just delicious, beautiful recipes Okay. because they actually, they actually, love to eat and they so love if, to cut so so in your opinion if you're in a town where that you know there's some butchers available right probably you should go there if you're looking to get meat and the right cut of meat and and then also on top of that maybe knowing how to cook it right absolutely and you're going to get someone that's going to describe a piece of meat to you too uh a lot better for instance like we sell um at our store hanger steak okay. which is a super tender cut it hangs just right around the diaphragm and so it doesn't really move that often that's right so it's got nice marbling and it's really lean but it's flaky okay Ooh. so if you're looking for more of like a dense cut like a top like a top sirloin or like a tri-tip you know something that's not going to quite flake you know, that's going to be what you're going to want. And it's it's a very universal cut. Um, you're probably going to get more of that information from a butcher, a butcher. than mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. a meat mm-hmm. cutter. I can see that. I can see that. Well, I think you should support butchers probably anyways. They're probably, I, I'm assuming this, but they probably know the source of the meat better too. I, I think, like like I said, it's kind of a dying, it's a dying trade um, to where now they have so many facilities 
I can think of three that I, I'm not going to say. Right, um, no worries. But um, three where it's like they don't even have meat cutters at the establishment anymore. They just, everything is like pre-packaged. And you would be amazed at how many of their s- stores, because there's a label on it that makes it look like it was cut there and done there. But if you can't go to the counter and ask for a custom cut, they probably don't cut it there. Wow, wow, okay. So back in the day they did because like that. Yeah, back in the day. Safeway, he was a meat cutter at Safeway. Yeah. But they don't so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, we actually have two guests in the pantry right now. Um, One of it because this is people in our neighborhood. This is actually so perfect. We have another person in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood. She is part of our forest um, service department and specifically with fire and dispatch. And so, um, but we will leave her introduction and her contribution um, aside from just hearing our, our meat slayer speak right now. Um, so we're going to, I've only got a couple more questions for you, Stephanie. Um, I was wondering, do you have, well, first of all, just real quick, how long have you been doing, how long have you been slaying flesh? (laughs) For employment? No, forever. When did you, when did you first, when did Stephanie take a knife in hand and say, you know what, I'm going to cut something up? Probably like 24 years. Oh, that's awesome. It is. That's really neat. But it's neat. crazy to think about because my brother was the one that took me hunting for the first time. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I know that because hunting wasn't part of my uh, growing up. It came into my life after my first marriage. But um, but when you have that in your family, it seems to be a real advantage to knowing what you're eating and where it's coming from, how it's getting to the table and stuff, which is, I think important well it's a bo- it's a bonding moment too you know yeah. um it it was a really big bonding moment I mean the biggest bonding moment I think I had was with my brother when we took down the elk and it was like you know your basic elk story that everybody hears about where it was at the bottom of the ravine and you had to sit <laughs> right. there and pack everything in your backpack I had to part it out with like this little three-inch Kershaw knife, like oh it was, gosh. it it was awful um, and great all at the same time. But uh, just you know, pulling together and bonding, you know, over like that experience, and then taking that into the dining room, into the you know kitchen, right? And you know, cooking it and getting mm-hmm. to talk about your experience. Yeah, like yeah, it was, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you mentioned that knife that you used on that elk. What is now your favorite tool at work, and what is your favorite knife at home? And do you, do, or do you not? Maybe you don't have one at home. Maybe, but at work, what's oh, your I favorite have, cutting tool? I have, I have quite a few knives at home. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Again, you work, are my dragon slayer. <laughs> work is work is kind of a different thing. Um, back in the day, which I don't even feel like I'm old enough to necessarily really say if you touched another uh, butcher or meat cutter's knives yeah you better be prepared to to fight to have an argument to like reason why you even touched that right, right. um now because there's not it's it's more just like meat cutting we have someone that comes and brings it in and it's just it's a whole slew of things that are just 
different. I'll just right, say just right, different. Right, right, So a sharp one. Right. <laughs> That's your like, favorite. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, ama- it's it's just amazing because it's like one of the things if you want to, you know, educate your listeners on like one thing about knives yeah. is that um, when someone uses a steel or a honing, uh, a honing blade, basically what it is, you know, the long, you know, steel that you see sometimes people use that you take a knife to when they do right it comes in, sometimes other. it comes in a, in a cutting uh knife uh set that you get they'll come right. with like that tube exactly thing that i've never known besides hitting you know rodents that are scurrying across the floor not in my pantry but in other places anyways yes. but yeah uh-huh yeah so so basically what you're doing when you're taking your knife to your steel is you're taking the teeth of the knife and you're realigning them, so you're straightening them. So anytime oh. you're using a knife, you're actually the uh, blades or the teeth are moving to the left or to the right. So that's why your knife goes dull. dull. Okay. And so when you take your knife to a steel or one of those very awful, awful things, uh, which is the there's metal on both sides and like a really light stone in the center uh-huh, yeah. I think you've yep, maybe I've seen, seen yep mm-hmm. those are awful um oh, okay. and you take it to that uh, it's it's realigning them but it's also it's not close enough to really get you know your knife as sharp mm-hmm. as you need mm-hmm. to and a sharp knife is a safe knife right okay so right, right on yeah. that's a good one you hear that guys a sharp knife is a safe knife and only for people who aren't getting cut with it, though. Let me just say that. If it's sharp, I'm getting you. Okay. All right. I got a, I got just a couple more real quick questions. I so have loved this talk, just by the way, Stephanie. I'm Thank glad. you so much for doing this. Um, have you ever, in the history of cutting and slaying flesh, have you ever considered being a vegetarian or a vegan? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. 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 And so because of that, that was a quick response. Yes. Because of that... How do you feel about this beyond beef thing? And let me say, I say that with a little tone because I find it funny that we want things that look like bacon or beef, but identify, or are tofu, but identify as bacon or beef. Like, what is the whole thing? That's weird. Do, do you want me to say what we say in the meat room? I absolutely do. A hundred percent. That's why I asked it. I thought, you're a real meat person. What do you think about this beyond beef in my opinion, bullshit. Okay, I, I go mean, ahead. <laughs> I mean, in the meat room, we basically it's just it's it's garbage. Um, I I don't I don't understand why you would want something to look like an animal if the main reason why you're not eating it is because it's an animal. That doesn't make any sense to me or the people that I've work with and it also I've actually worked with a couple vegans and vegetarians in the meat department crazy and they say the same thing it doesn't make any sense but if you were to go into I don't want to go into like the deep psychologicalness of it at all sure sure but it 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 does kind of bring you know a little bit together um we had beyond meat burgers that we were forced to sell in our pre-pack section. Okay, yeah, I was and wondering. They, I've seen those now becoming more of a, like, it presented in the meat right. department as, you know, meat. And I and I think I think some of it is because 
we did get a lot of questions from like the vegans and the vegetarians, whether it be because you have a, a health diet that you need to adhere to, you know, oh, or, or whatnot. Oh, um, so see. they were, so mm. it, I think it was mm-hmm. my business's way of trying to bridge that gap of, you know, well, I don't eat meat, so don't talk to me type of thing, you right. know? So it was their way of trying to bridge the gap between Well, and also it would make two. sense that if you, for some reason, dietarily were told after being a meat eater that, you know, it's just not, you know, healthy for you to eat right. red meat, for instance, right. right? Like, you can have chicken and fish, but you love your steak, you love your cheeseburgers. Right. And so I could see that for those people, and this is sort of where Demi Lovato, not to get too pop culture kind of forgot about the whole diabetic thing. Thing in her rant right. about the sugar-free options in a in a frozen yogurt place, right? Because she thought it was against diet, you know, made diet culture and people feel bad about you know their bodies and stuff or whatever. I don't I don't want to explain Demi Lovato's thing because it was off the mark when it comes to people who are diabetic who want to enjoy sweets, right? But can't have regular sweets, right? And so, and I think I guess I didn't ever really consider that there may be people dietarily that can't have like red meat for instance right there's actually i don't know if you've ever heard of the blood type diet but part of the reason i have okay Mm -hmm. so part of the reason why i would never become vegan or a vegetarian is because i don't think my body is equipped to handle that like i can feel the difference in myself if I don't eat red meat. Right. And I am not going to take supplements for it. It doesn't make sense. There's that whole other health slew in that aspect of taking supplements for something that I can just eat that my my personal body digests just fine. Now, the only thing that I will say that I've had to convince my team about, especially when we had the the Beyond Meat in our Mm -hmm. section and the extra popularity about it Mm -hmm. is that there's so many countries that are starving and if this is a cheaper avenue for them to be able to get food Mm -hmm. to them then by all means yeah that's a good aspect too create Mm -hmm. whatever you need to create Mm -hmm. it's just that judgment needs to be taken out on both sides I agree I agree I agree and I definitely had a little you know little animosity in my voice when talking about it because it does perplex me but I'm giving it some new thought now we're going to ask you just our last question I'm going to ask all of our guests when they come in to the pantry although we are outside today because we have a few extra guests um, I, I'm i going to ask you if, if you're waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning okay, which maybe you don't do normally but let's say you do and you're feeling hungry do you prefer a sweet snack or a salty snack? Oh, always salty. I don't do sweets unless it's chocolate chip cookies or unless it's you baking something amazing. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> I, I have never experienced your, what what was that I had? The, the flan. The flan. That was absolutely delicious. And I don't like sweets. And like, if you make any extra or ever again, I will always eat them. <laughs> love you. Thank you so much. Okay, so, okay, so with that in mind, salty always. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite go-to snack in your pantry? If even if it's not in there right now, what what's your? I mean, I just I eat whatever's at hand. I eat everything. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. I love it. No, no wrong answers. No wrong answers. <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun to end every conversation with that. And again, I really so enjoyed you coming. We're gonna have to make this a full segment sometime or a full episode sometime. Yeah, I think we should. I really think we should go into 
you know, a grocery store that shall be named nameless and just you can look at stuff and ask questions and it'll be entertaining because whenever I go and I know what I'm talking about, there's always someone who is just blown away at the fact that somebody knows what this whole time was absolutely eye opening for me. And I, I gotta say forever all the listeners, um, our other uh, person in our neighborhood, when we're going to come back to this in our episode 12 or 13, because fire safety and fire season is on us, folks. We're going to start camping. We're going to get out there. And we're going to talk to our friend Erin about the kind of tips and um, some of the crazy stories she's heard uh, over her career uh, keeping us all safe when we're out there in the forest. So thank you so much, Stephanie, again. And thank, thank you. you. Uh, I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys in the next segment. Thank you. Leftovers. So there were some audio problems. I'm not sure if you guys picked up on them or not. But we're always working on getting those ironed out. And I do appreciate you bearing with me. I wanted to give a shout out to Great Britain, England, our sister across the pond. Baby, we got a listener in Great Britain. So tip of the hat, I am so happy to have you. Thank you so much for finding me. And I hope it's a podcast that you'll continue to listen to and share with your friends. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Mama's Pantry. It's M-O-M-M-A apostrophe S Pantry, P-A-N-T-R-Y on Facebook. And of course, go to anchor.fm to leave us a message or support this podcast and its future episodes. Other than that, we do have a little competition for all the listeners that I'm going to share with you guys. It's in just in the beginning works, but I hope you listen to future episodes. I will keep you posted on what that competition is and what that prize will be. And I think you'll be very excited about it. So that's it for episode 11, Mama's Pantry. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Recipe time. All right, we're doing pulled pork. The recipe is for a rub marinade for an eight pound pork shoulder. You're gonna smoke the pork shoulder at 250 degrees for approximately five to six hours or the internal temperature at 190 to 200 degrees for the pork shoulder. You're also gonna marinate the pork shoulder with the marinade recipe that I give you every half hour for the last two hours 
during the smoking process. Now for the rub and marinade recipe. You're gonna have, a th the recipe ingredients are as follows. Three quarter cup bourbon, your favorite bourbon, three tablespoons molasses, two and a quarter cup of cider vinegar, vinegar excuse me, <laughs> one and a half cups water, two table, or I'm sorry, six tablespoons of salt divided, just because we're going to be using it in a couple different parts of the recipe, one and a half tablespoons of crushed red pepper flakes, three tablespoons of black pepper, also divided like the salt, three tablespoons of paprika, one and a half tablespoons of garlic powder, and three tablespoons of cayenne pepper. The marinade is the bourbon, molasses, vinegar, water, and three of the six tablespoons of salt that you divided, three of those tablespoons, you're gonna put in the marinade with the red pepper flakes as well, and one and a half tablespoons of the black pepper that you had divided from the six tablespoons in the ingredients list. That is your marinade, the bourbon, molasses, vinegar, water, salt, red pepper flakes, and the black pepper. Now, the rub are the other dry ingredients, so mix those together in a separate bowl. Go ahead and rub those dry ingredients onto the pork and put it into the smoker. Again, that marinade, you are going to baste the pork with that every half hour for the last two hours of smoking. And bon appetit.